Good morning. How are you doing? You guys doing good? I'm doing good. So glad you were here. If you're here for the first time, thank you so much uh, for choosing today. And I hope that uh, you take something home. My heart this morning as I share uh, the message, just kind of a simple message, that you would leave with some encouragement, uh, leave with a knowledge of no matter maybe how much you've messed your life up, that God is the perfectionist at taking broken things and making something great out of them. Like in our, in our church here, we've had people that have been in prison. And I will tell you that we've all been in prison in one way or another, whether it was physical bars or whether it was captive to our sin. Uh, Jesus came to set us free from that and put us uh, in life with a purpose and a plan. And so regardless of, of how you've lived up this point, my, my challenge for you is how are you going to finish? Like, how are you going to finish? Don't use your past again to hold it against yourself. God has such an amazing plan for your life. And that's what Christmas is really all about, right? It's taking something that was broken and shattered and making something good out of it. And so, uh, again, just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in online. All right, let's get into this. Christmas 2022. Uh, here's a question that I want to start with. I have a few questions that we'll deal with. Is, is why did God pick Mary to carry baby Jesus? Uh, last week, Pastor Stevie talked um, about Nazareth, where they came from, and kind of a history behind it. And so I want to follow up with that to look a little more at Mary's life, uh, because God picked her. He picked her. And it wasn't because she was beautiful. It wasn't because she was this famous person. Uh, it, was, it was because she was simply willing. So we're going to look at that. Uh, I think God picked Mary because he knew she would carry baby Jesus with a good attitude. Like he, he knew how to make it. So here's a question. Have you ever needed to ask someone to do something and you pretty much knew what the response would be? That probably was this morning on the way here, right? Like, can you get the kids ready? What? No, I got to do this. We, we, we've all done this. We've asked somebody to do something. And you know, especially if you're in management, you know who the willing people are and who the people are just going to be like, I'll do it, but I'm going to do it with an attitude. Or maybe I won't do it. Okay? And, and as a manager, as somebody who is over people, that is a hard thing to deal with is employees or, or volunteer employees, okay, that try to run into church because they can just leave. I can't be like, I'm signing y'all paychecks, all right? That doesn't work. Now, they don't like me. They just go somewhere else. But at least as, as a boss of a job, you have a paycheck to kind of say, no, you are going to do this. But God doesn't want us to obey kicking and screaming. He wants us to obey willingly. And so I've heard it said that the Catholic Church puts too much importance on Mary, but the Christian Church doesn't put enough and I think that's true. So we're going to look at her life today, that she really was a remarkable young woman. Uh, so set, to set the scene, the message is today is about being willing and dependable. So that's the title. Um, I love titles of messages because this seemed to stick better in my brain. But willing and dependable. So who was Mary? Mary was a teenage girl. Uh, they don't know exactly how old she was, probably 12 to 14 years old. Uh, back in, in these days, it wasn't uncommon for girls that age to get married. And God had watched her for years, how she lived, how she loved, how she showed kindness to other people. And he's going to ask her to do something that really makes no sense, especially in her culture. Okay? And her response is amazing. So the third question we have is, have you ever been asked to do something that was really inconvenient at the time? Just to show, raise a hand. You were doing something like you were watching football, ladies, and your husband asked you to vacuum. <laughs> or do the dishes or something. We, we've all had those moments where we were like focused in the, the, there was this inconvenient thing that, take, that took place. Children, do I even have to say anything more about the inconvenience that children can be sometimes? 
Like my wife and I, we teach marriage stuff, right? And, and there's, there's those moments that there's a little romance going on and there's a reason your bedroom door has a lock on it. Um, all of us have been there, right? If you have got a good marriage where the kid has a radar, like they'll ignore you for half an hour, but as soon as you get a little fire in your eyes, they're like, Mom! If you're brand new, I'm just real. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I'm saying this is real stuff. There's inconvenience, all right? And, and it's like, I was doing this, but yeah, sure. What God is about to do here, he's about to have Mary do something that is going to completely blow up her world as she knows it. She has these plans. She's engaged. She's got a wedding in her mind. And God is going to ask her to do something that is going to completely wreck what, what she thinks is this great wedding. It's going to be a great, great thing. And her response, again, is absolutely amazing. Understanding this culture is really important because being pregnant out of wedlock basically was a death sentence by stoning in this culture. In our current world today, getting pregnant, they might throw you a party. In this culture, they threw rocks, like literally threw rocks to kill you. And if you committed adultery, which they would consider this, even though uh, she wasn't married to Joseph, there was a contract. There was a legal binding contract for one year that you were, they call it a spoused, like we would call it engagement, but there was basically no breaking it off. There had to be like a written thing to break it off. It was like a marriage, but there was no intimacy. And so... She ends up, as you know, we're getting pregnant and then they have to deal with this whole thing. So to look at the culture and say, okay, what is being asked of Mary is huge. It's a huge deal. If you were alone, you couldn't be alone. Like you couldn't be alone together. You had to be chaperoned. You know why they had to be chaperoned? How many of y'all wish you were chaperoned when you guys were dating, right? <laughs> My hands up, okay. We all wish that. Why? Because we have... We have a liking of each other. Like when you're in love with someone, you need a chaperone. Okay, never be alone. They could never be alone. Why? Because things happen. There would be an addition built to the, the, the parents' house. So Joseph would be building an addition. Okay, again, culture, you built an addition on to, to the, the husband's family's house. How many of y'all would like that arrangement? He's like, no, I don't want that. So Joseph would be, have been building an addition culturally, and, and it would have been a nice addition because he was a carpenter. He knew what he was doing. He was good. And I'm sure Mary was like, yeah, can you just change this just a little bit? And he's like, yeah. Oh, hey, what else, baby? What do you need? And five years into the marriage, she'd be like, can you change it? She's like, no. I built it once. I'm not doing it again. It got really quiet in here because you know I'm telling you the truth, right? But when you're dating, you're like there to impress. And, 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 and the question it might be, we just changed that two months ago. Well, yeah, but... Right? We, we have these things that happen in our normal marriages, but this addition's being built. He's smiling the whole time. Yeah, you know, he's, I don't know what he's saying when he hit his fingers. He was a godly man. But Mary probably looked at it and they were probably planning this thing together. She had this big celebration in mind because weddings here were not just a one-day deal. They were like a five-day deal. And they were a huge week-long celebration for the most part. There was plans for her big day. She probably had her colors picked. Probably from a little girl, she dreamed of just being a bride. Ladies, you kind of understand what that's like. Men, we have dreams of being a groom. That's it, right? It's not about us. I've done a lot of weddings over the year. I always tell the guy, you're just an accessory to the day. So that's all we are, and that's all we want to be, right? There's a few guys that want to be involved, but most of us are like, be whatever you want. I just want to show up. Well, I just, there's more to it than just showing up. But, but uh, so there, there's this thing going on in her mind. It's a big deal. 
She probably had the venue picked. She probably had the catering. She probably looked at the little lamb go, boy, you're dead. You're going to die because you're going to run. She had this whole thing going on. It's a big deal. And all of a sudden, life changes. All of a sudden, something happens that she did not see coming. Now, to be barren, not being able to bear a child in this culture was a stigma, and it plays in to where we start here. Now, Luke chapter 1 is the story, and it begins off with a story of two people named uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, and they are Mary's relatives. They are from the, the Levites, okay, so they were priests. Zechariah was a priest, and he got his two-week duty to go to the temple and do his duties. And while he was there, this angel shows up. And it scares him. He's in there by himself. He's lighting candles. And like, you have to be holy to go in there. Like, you, you die if you don't. I'm, I'm glad church isn't like that because none of us would make it, right? Uh, and some of y'all walked in today and you're like, man, is, is the roof going to cave in? No, we built it out of steel just for you. So we're good, right? And, and so Zechariah's in there doing this thing. And this angel shows up, freaks him out. And he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And he's like, what, what, what are you talking about? He's like, your wife's going to be pregnant. And Zachariah's like, I'm 80 years old. She's 80 years old. That ain't happening. Like, we haven't had none of this married stuff for quite a few years now. And I think the angel's like, well, get ready when you go home, boy. You better have a twinkle in your eye. She's going to have a twinkle in her eye. Something's going to happen. And you guys are going to make love. And, and she's going to get pregnant. And I'm sure Zechariah, what happened in his brain, are you kidding me? She's, How many 80-year-olds have gotten here? Don't raise your hand. All right. But imagine being 80 and being pregnant. I mean, that's a crazy thing. So Zechariah doesn't believe the angel. He's just like, what? No, no way. And the angel's like, okay, because you didn't believe me, you're not going to be able to talk until your son is born. And so he gets home and he can't talk. He's writing everything out. Um, it was probably a very peaceful house. I'm sure Elizabeth's like, wow, this is nice. Um, I don't know what happened there. But they went home and, and they did what they needed to do to get pregnant. She gets pregnant and it's just an amazing thing. And here was Elizabeth's response. She says this, the Lord has done this for me. Guys, she's 80 years old. She's pregnant. In these days, he has shown me favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, if you're not really familiar with biblical history, why would she say that? Why would she say, he, God has taken away my disgrace because in the nation of Israel, it was, a, it was a disgraceful thing to not be able to get pregnant. Now, going back even further, most Jewish women knew the Messiah was going to be born. The coming king was going to be born, and they all wanted to give birth to this king. So if you could not get pregnant, you were instantly disqualified from being the queen mother. And so for 80 years, okay, her whole life 80 years, but how many years? Maybe 60 years she has been, she has felt disgraced. Even at 80, she's like, God has taken away my disgrace. Do you know that you cannot serve God for 80 years of your life and give your life to Jesus at 81 and God will take away all your disgrace? Amen. Take it all away. Like make, make your life brand new. So she gets pregnant. She's like, this is going to be amazing. Remove my disgrace. Now Mary would get the same news. You're going to be pregnant without any intimacy and she would become a disgrace. To those around them. She would get pregnant out of wedlock, and you know how people talk. You got pregnant? Yeah. Who's the father? God. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> the Holy Spirit? Yeah, right. Because how many of you would believe a young woman that got pregnant and she said Jesus did it? Yeah. It might be Jesus, but it wasn't Jesus. <laughs> All right? I mean, it's, you, get, you get pregnant. 
I, I get called Jesus a lot, just so you know. I, get, I have somebody that thinks my phone number, and it's like, hey, Jesus, how you doing? I was like, I know him, but I'm not him. I had to, to clarify. You know, I do. I get these texts. I know y'all don't get texts like that, all right? Wanting to buy your house or your, pay your car insurance for you. All right? Here's what happened. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, same angel, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And notice that she didn't freak out that an angel showed up. It says she was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Like you, you are going to be pregnant with the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah for hundreds of years, Israel has looked for the Messiah. You are going to be pregnant with the Messiah. Now, this is a life-altering thing for her. What emotions did she have at this moment? So you have all these Jewish women who want to be the queen mother of the Messiah without having a clue as to what this would look like. You see, the Bible didn't really say exactly how this whole thing was going to happen or what it would look like. But for a woman who was married to get pregnant with the Messiah would be an amazing, amazing thing. Lots of prestige. Like, you, I gave birth to the Messiah, the king of the world, the one that's going to overthrow, they're thinking overthrow the Roman government. He's going to be the savior. I get to be the queen mother of the Messiah. I get to have my own throne. Yeah. It's going to be bigger than his. And I get to tell him what to do. That's why I said queen mother. If you look in the Bible and you see these queen mothers, they kind of had some control. Ladies, you, you do, you are the queen of the home. Can I get an amen? All right. And men are like, she is. I don't want to admit it. It's true. All right, ladies, you have more power of us than you think. But think about this. The queen mother of the Messiah. I want the prestige of being the mom of the Messiah, but I don't want the inconvenience. Wait, I, wait I'm going to give birth to the Messiah, but they're all going to think I slept around? They're all going to think that I cheated on Joseph, my future husband? They're going to start looking at me going, she's the one. She's the one, and, and she's going to blame God. She's going to blame God. Nobody's going to believe her. Do you know what this would look like to a young woman who had her whole wedding, her whole life planned out, and all of a sudden God has asked her to do something that seems to be terribly inconvenient? So my question for you here is, are you willing to be inconvenienced to do what God wants? There's times that it's inconvenient to say no to the things that the world is trying to get you to say yes to. Teenagers, listen to me. Are you willing to be inconvenienced by having friends shun you because you want to do what's right? When people say, oh, you know, everybody's sleeping around. No, that's not true. Don't be the one that's doing it. That's right. Don't be the one that's doing it, okay? And if you get pregnant out of wedlock here, we will love you through it, but don't you dare blame it on God. Right. All right? Y'all need a chaperone? Yeah. Yeah. If you have a teenager that says, we don't need a chaperone, those are the ones that exactly need a chaperone, right? The smart one's going, well, I do need a chaperone because I know my own emotions, okay? But it may be hard at times. But it's always rewarding to do what God wants, and what God wants isn't always convenient. Again, we like the what, we like the results, we just don't like the how. We like the product, but not always the process. And so my 
thing that I say a lot to you, if you're brand new, I say this a lot to our church family, there's the what and there's the how. What do I want life to look like and how am I going to get there? Because the what is easy. I want, I want, I want to be the queen mother of the Messiah. The how, what, what, they're going to think I slept around and, and they could kill me for it. The rest of my life, I will have this, this black mark on me thinking that I was the one that cheated on Joseph. And Joseph, again, would get talked to by the angel. He would come and marry her. Uh, but life would become very, very different than what she thought it was going to be. Mary, I mean, there's a God knew Mary would go through the process as hard as that would be, regardless of the earthly cost. You know, I've noticed about people, people won't understand your decisions based on their point of view. They won't understand your decisions based on your point of view. It's really easy with sports to say, well, why did he swing at that pitch? Like, why did he throw the ball there? Why did he fumble? Why, 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 why? As if you would have done any better, right? Because you don't get paid to be a professional either they do. But it's easy okay, to try to go, why did they do that based on my point of view? Well, God's plan for your life often will not make sense to other people. But you got to do what God wants you to do anyway. Like I said, if, if you've lived a life that was crazy when you got saved and all of your friends, they, they supported you, right? Like the ones you used to party and drink with and you get saved and they're like, we're so glad you gave your life to Jesus. You don't do what we do anymore. Go, go, go. Is that what kind of response you got when you decided to live for God? Come on, somebody. <laughs> no, you all of a sudden, you find them like, you're, you're what? I mean, Russell's got some great stories about me. I'm living for God now. They're like, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. Are you willing to be inconvenienced, okay, to do what God wants you to do? And I would say make new friends. If you've got friends that want to take you in the wrong direction, make new friends. If you have friends that want to take you in the wrong direction, get new friends because they're not friends. Good friends want you to go in the right direction. The world says hold a grudge. Jesus says forgive it. And notice here that Gabriel did not ask her if she was willing. He didn't say, Mary, you've been noticed and we have an idea. Are you willing to carry the Messiah? If you want to, if it's not too inconvenient, I know you've got this big wedding come up, I know you're engaged, and, uh, but do you think it's something you would be willing to do? No, Gabriel came and he said, you will be with child. He already knew what Mary's response would be based on her past decisions, okay? Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus says this later on. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Now, that doesn't need a lot of explanation. In other words, if, if I can trust you with a little thing, I can probably trust you with the big thing. And if, you, if you're trustworthy, you're trustworthy in whatever it is. If you're untrustworthy, you're not trustworthy. And to show this example, uh, my son a couple years ago was helping a friend of ours clean out a storage unit. And, uh, and in it, he gave him, now I don't drink, but he gave, uh, gave him three wine glasses. And that it feels very fragile. I mean, it's very light. And, and I'm like, okay, it's wine glasses. They had a, well, they used it for their wedding or something. They had three of them. And so as we're looking at it, again, because I don't know wine, I looked at this, the name, and there's somebody named Robert Mondavi. I'm like, I have no idea who Robert Mondavi is. Is he a great evangelist? I don't know. Um, now, for those of you who know wine, he's kind of famous, I guess. So I did the, the thing that a good Christian man would do is I Googled the worth and the value of a gift that was given to us. I'm not going to use it. I may as well sell it, right? Uh, and so Trav and I looked it up, and he's like, holy, he didn't say the bad word. He's like, holy cow. Um, they're worth like 80 bucks a piece. And he was given three of them. It's like, 80 bucks? Who pay 80 bucks for a glass that could break? 
Oh, some people. Apparently it's Crystal. And he licks his finger and he makes it go, he makes a noise. He actually thought I was going to do it during church, but I don't do that. Because I'm like, you already licked it, bro. I'm not going to, you're my son. But so anyhow, all of a sudden, I'm looking at this thing going, I'm going to be cautious with it. I'm going to be careful with it. You would not give something precious to a little child and say, hey, go run. Okay, you wouldn't give it to a two-year-old and say, here, play with this. Why? Because of its value. It's worth, and again, 80 bucks is a lot. What you probably would trust them with is a plastic cup that you don't care if it gets broken or not. And here, here God is coming to a woman who neither has a lot of beauty, because Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was not a handsome person. He was like, it says he has no majesty to attract us to him. And I put two and two together, or one and one together, actually one together, and they would produce Jesus. So there was no father here. God is perfect, right? So Jesus took on the genes of his mother. You see where I'm going with this? And if he was not nice looking, pretty good chance that she was not nice looking. Now, I'm not being mean. Um, if you're online, I'm getting rocks thrown at me right now. Um, I'm just putting, I'm just showing you because God would be perfect, right? So we can only deduce by DNA that Jesus' mother was not an attractive woman. If he wasn't attractive, Isaiah 53, go read it. It says that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He was probably short, thin, kind of maybe gangly a little bit. He wasn't like this leader type. And God looks down, and he's not looking for a Robert Mondavi beautiful crystal glass. He is looking for somebody that's just simply willing. And so God wants to pour something into a glass. And if I look in the glass, and it's like, no, don't touch that. I'm too good for water. I will only carry fine wine. A 2021 $6 bottle of whatever it is. You can tell I do not know my wines, all right? I've never drank, so I don't know of what I speak. Uh, I've saw a lot of drunks growing up, but I never drank, all right? And, and if God says, I want to I pour this into you, and this, this thing's going, no, no, no. What is God looking for? He is looking for any container that, he, that will just pour, take whatever he's pouring into it. And he wants to pour the Messiah into Mary. And Mary just says, okay. Doesn't have any attitude. Doesn't say, you know what, let me go home and pray about this because I got this wedding coming up. I got this fine man that I'm engaged to. I got, I got plans. He's already building our house. This is a big deal, Gabriel. It's a big ask. This is really inconvenient for where I am right now. But she doesn't. She just says, okay, okay. Well, we'll get to that part in the story. Let's talk about credit scores for a moment. Pastor Stevie said, we're not here to, to stock you necessarily with your information, but we do want to pull your credit um, <laughs> to see if you're a good fit. Now, y'all have a credit score. You do. If you don't, you should get one, all right? How do we have a credit score? Well, how do you get a good credit score? You borrow money and you pay it back on time. That's how you get a good credit score. Okay, my wife and I, are, our score is like 820 or something. It's way up there. Why is that? Because we've been very irresponsible with our money. They're like, oh, you're a man of God, so we just give you a good credit score. That's not how it works. You, we have a good credit score. Why? Because we've made our payments. Right. Okay? We pay our stuff off, and, and we do it on time, and we're not late. All right? You get a good credit score by being responsible. Okay? On the other side, how do you get a bad credit score? You don't pay it. You borrow money you can't pay back, like some of you are going to figure out in January. I told you two weeks ago, don't buy that thing. Some of y'all didn't listen in January. You'd be like, I didn't listen to Pastor Stan, so I have this. Um, 
We'll have an altar time for you. You could bring the credit card bill up to the altar and put it there. God's not going to pay. The church ain't going to pay. But it's just a reminder to everybody else, don't buy stuff you can't afford. Okay? And so you get a bad credit history by not making the payments, by not being faithful to what you promised. Do you know when you sign a credit card slip, it says, I promise to pay? That says that, like on there, if you don't read it, I, I promise to pay. And so you get a bad credit score for being untrustworthy. Do they trust you to pay it back? You see, credit card statements are pretty revealing about people's priorities. I think this should be a prerequisite, pre, not even pre-marriage, but pre-engagement. I think you should ask for their credit report. Get the Carfax on that baby. I mean, come on, you figure out how much damage did you really have in the past, all right? Uh, my tra- Travis and I were trying to figure out this dating app that you could actually pull Carfax on your Fox to see if they have been trustworthy. I think it's a good idea, but apparently most people don't in this place. But I'm the one that has to do the marriage counseling, so figure it out before, right? Show me your bank statement, I'll show you what your priorities are. Okay, in, in January, giving statements come out. Do we trust God with our money or not? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to give here, and we have a super generous church, and I, and I love that about y'all. In the corner right there is a black box in the black. There's a black box in the back on the way out. You can put checks in there. How many of y'all still do checks? I still do checks. I think five of us still do checks. Uh, uh, yeah, and so I still write checks out uh, for some things. But those black boxes, okay, those black boxes are revealing. You'll get your credit, and, and you'll look at your giving statement, and, and you'll see, okay, did I trust God with my money or not? And it's not a church thing. It's a God thing. Like, am I obedient to what? So and when a plane crashes, what do they look for? When a jetliner crashes, what do they look for? They look for the black box. Why? Because it's revealing of all the information leading up to the crash. And so I, I look at these black boxes, and I think, what does that reveal about my faith? What, what does it reveal about whether I trust God with my finances or not, okay? But, but risk is based on spending habits. And when they looked down at Mary here, they saw a young woman who had a perfect spiritual credit history. Not perfect. She was she not sinless. She sinned. She blew it. But she had this heart, regardless of what she looked like, she was willing to carry what God wanted to put into her. And I hope that you're the same. I hope that when God says, this is what I want you to do with, with your life, are you willing just to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. It might not be convenient, but I will tell you, it's always rewarding to do what God wants you to do. And God has a plan and he's got a purpose for every single one of you. And, and some of you right now, you just need me to tell you this. You don't know I need to tell you this, but you need his. Is you're gonna make what you're going through. You're gonna make it. You are, you're gonna make it. Your, your job is to take one more step. Your job is to say, you know what? My life really stinks right now. This is hard, but I'm going to take one more step. Why? Because God can depend on me. I may not look like a Robert Bondavi glass. I may look like the green cup that's been in this farmhouse probably since 1974 because that's my office. It's 1974, and it smells like 1974 sometimes. My wife will walk in, and she goes, it smells like old people in here. Uh, n- <laughs> not you, old people. <laughs> That probably came out really wrong. Um, you understand what I'm saying? It needs to be remodeled. Wait, if it's my office and she said it smells like old people, what does that make me? I just turned 52 yesterday. I'm still young, right? But she's right, okay? Because when something doesn't get taken care of and it needs to be remodeled, I feel my face getting a little bit red. Um, does it look red to you? It's the new lighting that we put up. Um, that, that, that she's right. And so... In our life, 
when God asks us to do something, are we faithful? Are we faithful? See, there's a spiritual credit score here. God knows what that is. Are you faithful? Now, of course, we all blow it. Of course, we all make mistakes. But can, does God look down at you and say, you know what? Yeah, they blow it sometimes, but they'll do what I ask. If, if there's a homeless person and they, they, they need a little bit of love or there's somebody in the store, they need something, they're going to do it. And when I prompt them to give you know, a tip to somebody or whatever it is, okay, will they do it? And God's like, yeah, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And that's what God looked at Mary. And Mary, again, she wasn't asked to do it. She said, this is what's going to happen. And I believe that God did it because he knew she would carry the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine a running back in football? Okay, he's ready. And the quarterback's like 50% of the time the guy goes. Like the handoff, right? He's like, I don't want to get hit. Would that guy stay as a running back? No. Come on. Would he stay as a running back? No. When the quarterback's like 50% of the time he takes it from me, but 50% of the time he does it because he sees who's going to hit him. No, you want a running back who is always willing to carry the ball, though he might get smacked. And God is looking for you to carry a ball, to do, to do whatever it is that he's called you to do, knowing you might get smacked for it, but doggone it, they're going to still go for it. Yeah. They're going to still do what God wants me to do. And that's what God is looking for. Mary is that type of, of person. And again, I've never preached this on Mary before, but I thought we need to learn from her that she just has this heart is I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. So he gets this news, gives, gives it to her, verse 34. He's like, you're going to be pregnant. It's going to be the Messiah. It's going to be great. And she says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. She wasn't questioning whether it was going to happen. Okay, Zachariah did. When you read the story, Zachariah's like, no, she's 80. Angel, she's 80. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. And, and he had to not talk for the whole nine months. She was pregnant. He couldn't open his mouth until, wouldn't that be great? Like, have a house like that? Is he just quiet? All the sign language. Mary just says, how? Like, I understand biology, angel. I'm a virgin. How is this going to take? But she didn't question whether or not it was going to happen. She's like, okay, what's the process here? Because I know how it works. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who said was to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, if you read the story further, Elizabeth stayed in hiding for quite a few months. And if I was 80 years old and pregnant, I would stay in hiding too, because there's a lot of questions that would be asked. Now, Zachariah is walking around town with his chest puffed out. <laughs> He's a man, bro. I'm telling you, he did. Like, look what I did. All right, well, he couldn't say nothing, but he had to. Uh, he, had, he had a glow. I promise, he had a glow. She had a glow. They were excited about this kid. All right, only 80 year old history that would be excited about being pregnant, but they were excited. And here's what she says: "I am the Lord's servant." Mary answered, "May it be as you have said." And then the angel, like, man, what an amazing, amazing attitude. To carry the Messiah, though the inconvenience of the world, she was just willing to do it. My question here for us is this, is can you be counted on to do what God wants you to do? Simple, just counted on. When God asks me to do something, am I going to do it? You see, what made Mary beautiful was her simple willingness to do what God needed her to do, carry the Messiah regardless of the earthly cost. And she wasn't, again, likely outwardly beautiful, but inwardly, she was amazing. She was amazing. An amazing young woman. 
Now, kings of old, okay, Joseph, we just finished his life in Genesis, King David, King Saul, King, Ab- King Absalom. Um, I call them the big hunks because the Bible says that they were tall, dark, and handsome, and they were leaders. Like, when people saw them, they were like, that's a leader. But Jesus was not like that. Jesus was just an average Jewish-looking man, okay? It said he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, but he was beautiful on the inside. And what I have kind of gathered looking through my life is that Mary passed on her heart to Jesus. Again, he was God, he was perfect, he was sinless, but she was the heart of a servant, and you see Jesus serving. So what she did is she taught her boys how to just serve God with all their hearts. Now, his brothers were another story. That's how I know that Mary was not sinless, that she had other siblings that were not perfect. Don't you tell me she never said to James, why can't you be like your brother? (laughs) Jesus never does anything wrong, and Jesus is like... Because Jesus couldn't react, because then it would be pride, right? So he had to be humble. And imagine imagine being the brother of Jesus. That would be terrible. You just think you're perfect. (laughs) I am. (laughs) I am that I am. Jesus can't lie, right? So he, he said it humbly, right? Now, here's what God does. The Bible says that God's looking throughout the earth. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Let's wrap this up. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts or who, who are fully committed to him. I love that. God's watching. He sees you. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in your situation. You may not feel that today, but he sees you. Because if the Bible says the eyes, and we're looking more at that sentence, the eyes of the Lord range what? To and through the earth. Yeah, he's looking for faithful people, but he also sees your pain. He sees your hurt, and he cares about it. And again, that's why God sent his son to die for us. So what is God looking for? He's not looking for the Robert Mondavi glasses of the world. He's looking for a little green cup that's been in the house since 1974 that's just willing to be used. It's just willing to say, God, I know I'm not much, but I'm willing. All right? And many of us feel like that. Matter of fact, if you feel like this, you got some pride to deal with, right? (laughs) Well, I'm this. Well, no, you're not. I'd rather just be this and willing to be used, right? Just a green cup, simple green cup. And God says, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm not looking for, you know, expensive. I'm just looking for somebody who's willing to do what I asked them to do. I have something to give you. Are you willing to carry what it is that I want you to carry? What is God looking for? Willingness and dependability. And that was Mary. I want to close a little story called The Chicken and the Pig. Some of you have probably heard this before. A chicken and a pig were walking down the road and they see a homeless shelter. And the chicken says, I got an idea. We should feed them. The pig says, what? He's like, I was thinking ham and eggs. And the pig says, it's a good idea. It's easy for you to say, but for you, it only requires minimal involvement. For me, total commitment. See, the chicken is like, I can give some eggs, but it's not going to cost me anything. The pig is like, I'm going to die if we do this, all right? When God has to do something, he wants this response from the great movie. When God asks you to do something, that's what he wants. Men, men, you can learn from this. Ladies, right? If you're men, okay? Uh, Men, I want you to be that to practice this week. When your wife asks you to do something and you say it as you wish. If you're in a bad romance, maybe this will help your romance. As you wish, as you wish. And don't you love it? As Wesley's rolling down the hill, he's like, as you wish. He's like, that's mine, all right? It's a great movie, great spiritual thoughts in that movie. Which one are you? Which one are you? Now, you could be this. You know what? You could be this, and you could still be willing to take what God wants. Okay? It's not, it's not like this is disqualified. 
God's just looking for willingness. He is. He's looking to forgive you. And if you're here today and you're trapped in your sin and you've, you're like, I've done so much stuff, why would God? Would ne- no, don't ever say God would never forgive me. God will forgive any sin that's confessed. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for the brokenhearted. Okay, a church family is not made of a bunch of perfect people. And if you're new and you think that, you're like, yeah, a bunch of perfect, I know them, <laughs> they're not. I've pastored them for 25 years. They're not. Okay, they've known me for 25. I'm not. We're just a bunch of messed up people that love Jesus trying to get to the end of the finish line without making too much of a mess of life. But God will take it and he'll make something that's broken and he'll make it beautiful. But you have to be willing to let him do that. Amen. And so if you just bow your heads with me, this is how I want to close. That if you are here today and you are, you're lost in your sin and you're like, I, I've tried everything. I've tried the parties, the women, the men, all the stuff and nothing, nothing has brought me peace. Well, have you tried Jesus? Have you tried forgiveness? Because he is the Prince of Peace. And you might be thinking to yourself, God would never forgive me. How could he use somebody like me? He's, he's all kinds of messed up people in the Bible. Murderers, adulterers, thieves. I mean, he, he uses anybody that he wants to use if you're willing to give your life to him. But do you need forgiveness today? Do you need to ask him into your life? I'm not asking, do you believe that Jesus is real? Most of you are here in church. You probably believe he's real. But have you given your life to him? That's the question. And if you have not, and you want to, and you want this forgiveness of your sin, and you want heaven to be your home because you have to ask Jesus to be your savior in order to get to heaven. There's a heaven and a hell. There's two places that you can go when you die and you get to choose. Choosing Jesus leads to heaven. Rejecting Jesus, choose to hell. That's just how it is. Have you given your life to him and do you want to? And if you do, just, just, if you just lift your hand up. We had people first service, lift their hand up and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody in this place at all, right now trapped in your sin, you want to be set free. Just lift it up where I can see it. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. There's anybody at all. Okay. All right, look at me. You promised me if the rapture happened right now, I wouldn't have to grab any of your hands and say, are you ready yet? <laughs> All right, every single one of you, I hope you've given your life to Christ. You have to to get to heaven, amen? That's why Jesus came, and God will forgive it and make you brand new, set your life on a new course to give you purpose and a plan, amen? And that's the beauty of Christmas, it really is. So, hey, I love you all. Thank you so much for being here. Again, uh, Friday night, uh, five o'clock, and I would say get here late because there'll be plenty of seating. What? Uh, you can show up Friday and pray to us, fine. Um, He's the pastor. Yeah, I'm the pastor. I can make the rules. You might have to show up Friday to get a seat for Saturday. So, did you see how fast my staff corrected me? The ones that are caught in bad romances are giving me advice. Love y'all. Get out of here. Have a good day. See you soon. Again, no Wednesday night service.